Hey everybody and welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm your host, Bo Nellis, and this is episode 87, where we're going to concentrate on concentrates again. Before we get into the podcast, though, I just want to uh, to mention my friend Christine, who was a, a staunch advocate for cannabis as a three-time survivor of cancer. Um, unfortunately, the fourth time... She didn't quite make it out, and she passed away uh, this this past week. Um, it's really hard to watch my young, vivacious friends have to deal with cancer over and over again. And uh, you know, it might have taken it, it. While cancer might have won on the fourth time, she still kicked your ass three times, asshole. So. Love you, Christine. And I was hoping to just have a little moment for her and anybody else who might be in a similar situation. All right, moving on. Um, Last week, we talked about some of the basics of concentrates, mostly about how they're made. And I had said it would take an entire another podcast to talk about the differences in what kind of names they have and the textures and things like that. So here's a whole nother podcast. Before we get to that, I just want to say a couple stoner moments. I don't have much since I'm going to be revisiting last week's subject and I can kind of fill it in there. But I did want to draw back to the fact that it has not been lost on me that I've been mixing and matching oils and powders to get my desired taste and cannabinoid combination uh, you know, to get my, my desired effects. Uh, but I still stand behind the fact that it's very strain dependent for me, uh, that I rely on the strain names and those kinds of databases in order to maximize how I end up mixing them and, uh, make the best educated guess for the desired effect. <coughs> I don't think we're going to have one of those like soda machines that can give you like 1500 different sodas. I don't think we're going to have one of those for cannabis anytime soon. And even if we did, it's going to be strain specific and strain dependent. Speaking of which, I have been looking into what my preferred strain for depression known to me as Joker could actually be. And the closest seems like a UK cheese based on its cheesy berry light skunk profile. But UK cheese is really hard to find. It's kind of old school. A lot of people aren't into cheesy strains of cannabis, even though it's a very common flavor. Uh, Green crack would be one that's known for its cheesy notes that is much more prominent but it doesn't have this berry skunky flavor that I really need. And cheese can work too, but it's also a bit heavier than this specific phenotype of UK cheese or what I suspect to be UK cheese really gave me. Uh, I think the closest place I found that might have it is like 45 minutes away. And it's a bit of a drive just to pick up a gram in order to go check it out. Uh, one last thing I want to say before I get into the meat of everything is thanks to all of those who were waiting for the episode. 
My daughter graduated from high school this week, and I kind of rushed the the recording of my episode for this week. And while I had all that extra time to think about it, I was like, oh, I should have said that. Oh, I could have said it that way or whatever. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do the whole thing again. Fuck it. So let's get to it. Advanced concentrates. Now, one of the things that really differentiates the concentrates is the difference between those that have been decarboxylated, also known as active cannabinoids, and those that have not been decarboxylated, known as raw cannabinoids. If you'd like to know more about decarboxylation and acidic forms, I would suggest going to episodes that talk about decarboxylation, THCA, RSO, and CBD oil, uh, as well as CBD. Oh, I, I think there's an episode on trichomes and cannabinoids as well that should go into some of those differences. When it comes to concentrates, uh, the methods that use heat and pressure are the ones that are going to decarboxylate or activate the cannabinoids. Isolates are tend to be active. They're a little bit easier, though THCA would be an example of a raw isolate. And I'm going to talk more about that further down the podcast, explaining exactly what isolates are. When I was talking about concentrates that are refined and or enriched, Those tend to be distillates, and a lot of the distillates, especially the CO2 distillates, are going to be at least partially activated to the point where when you get to like the clear concentrates, you you have maximum decarboxylation. So you can take that oil, and if it says that it's like 87% THC, you can be pretty sure that it's 87% THC and not like 92% THCA. Now, when it comes to the difference between distillates and isolates, I'm finding that the market is kind of saying if it's more than 90% of any single cannabinoid, they're kind of calling it an isolate. So 91.1% CBD would be a CBD isolate even though it's going to have other terpenes, potentially different cannabinoids in it, which could include the raw, non-active form. Anything less than that kind of 90% range, if you have an 87% THC, that's your distillate. And it can drop significantly. Usually uh, you see things in about the 60% range. That's a pretty normal CO2 extraction as well. And that means that it's likely to have more of the raw form depending on its texture. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna go more into textures again a little bit later. <clears throat> Another form of distillate would be the cannabinoid-derived terpenes, and that would include a couple of different processes for creating those those terpenes. But if you're extracting the terpenes from the cannabinoids, if you have a cannabinoid-free terpene distillate, that's really different than, say, something that is a full-spectrum distillate, which is going to be high in terpenes and high in cannabinoids. 
but that does require a solution. However, it's the closest thing we have to what would be considered a cold-pressed distillation. Everything else is going to be a steam or CO2 distillation or expression of some sort. And so there's going to be that heat and pressure activating your concentrates. So it's important to know when using concentrates, if you want an active if you want a raw, or if you want some combination in between. And then, of course, how the terpenes are preserved in the process is going to also be important. Now, I did say that there's no real cold-pressed, solvent-free. Subcritical CO2 is the closest that we would consider to be solvent-free kind of distillation. And it's close, but it's not... It doesn't capture the cannabis plant quite as perfectly as as a solution like BHO does. Now on the far end of the spectrum, if you want the most acidic forms with no solution, you're talking water or ice hash, some sort of bubble hash, or the really, really pure top shelf types of, of water hash that... Uh, are paralleling the THCA isolates as far as price goes in the $100 to $120 gram range. And then on the the opposite end of the spectrum, you're going to have your isolates, be it raw or activated. All right, so that's an important thing to know. Big difference. Is it active? Is it raw? Did I, did I nail it in enough? I think I nailed it in enough. Let's move on to storage. When it comes to storing your, your concentrates, the more terpenes that are in your product, and I do have some episodes on terpenes, mostly the indica versus sativa, if you don't understand how all of those play out yet or what part of the plant I'm talking about, please check that part out. I'm going to kind of move on. But terpenes are a volatile part of the cannabis plant. And the more you concentrate them, the more volatile they become to their container. And because of that, when you have very, very high terpene contents, the standard is glass packaging. And whether it's in a glass syringe or it's in a glass vial, you want it to be glass because if it's in plastic, It's going to eat away at it and it's going to leach certain toxins into it and that can make you sick and obviously you don't want to be smoking the plastic so you want to stick with glass. When it comes to moderate terpy types of concentrates, you can go with a PTFE paper, commonly known as terp paper, that does not have the effectiveness of glass, but it also doesn't have any silicone in it, which is important because silicone is made out of terpenes and the higher concentrated terpenes that haven't been stabilized really well within a product that maintain a lot of their volatility, they are going to meld with silicone, whether it's silicone paper, parchment paper, or whether it's a silicone container. Now, if you have a really stabilized product or if you have a lower TERP product that you aren't going to be storing for a very long period of time, 
you, it's safer to use the silicone, either container or parchment paper. But really, if you have any kind of oiliness to it, or if there's a sugar, or if you can really smell the terps in your product, it's a lot safer to go with the PTFE or the terp paper. The problem with the, the terp paper is that when you get a really oily product, it's going to squish through to the outer edges and you lose terps that way. Uh, and then you can like get a really gross globby, you know, if, if you drop it somewhere, it's ever it just becomes really sticky. The train went by, but I took a bong load earlier and I'm just going to keep going. We'll put that one in the bank. So the nice thing is that a lot of companies are just going straight for glass now. It doesn't have to be a vial. It doesn't have to be a syringe. They're opting for glass for all of their products. And that, that should be the highest standard if you care about a quality product period. If you want to display your product as a quality product. The problem with glass is that sunlight can affect your product. So if you, you don't want to be leaving your product, your glass vials or your glass containers on a sunny windowsill by any means. And manufacturers aren't going to be changing the color of the glass anytime soon because it's really good for displaying the, the clarity and the quality of the product, especially because as we are about to go into qualifying the consistency of the product is open to a lot of interpretation and ambiguity, but let's get into it. I'm going to attempt to talk about the different forms of concentrates via podcast with absolutely no visual representation whatsoever. Though, I invite you to go to my Instagram page, The Spliff Podcast, at The Spliff Podcast. You can find links at thespliffpodcast.com. And you'll, you'll be able to see uh, pictures of all kinds of different forms. I mean, you can just go to Instagram and and put in any of the terms that you hear really and you're going to come up with all kinds of pictures now there is some ambiguity and there are some umbrella terms and some specific terms i'm going to start with some umbrella terms all right and I, i'm going to try to summarize it in a section that i like to call my dab is earl some of the terms that are going to be applicable to the majority of the terms I'm going to talk about right now are dab, earl, and wax. Now, some of the products aren't going to really be dabable. They certainly aren't going to be earl in any shape or form. And it would be hard-pressed to call them wax either. But we're going to try and make that argument. Now, uh, if you aren't familiar with earl... Earl is spelled E-R-R-L. And some motherfucker had to be real high to not be able to say oil and how to say Earl. You got an Earl? You got a tangent aroma? I guess. But truth be told, I'm sure I've been that high before. Now, another umbrella term could be hash, but that's just because... Hash was really the only kind of concentrate we had for a really long time. It was either oil or hash. And so all of those things are going to be applicable in certain social circles. Dab 
is applicable because the process of vaporizing concentrates is known as dabbing. So anything which could be vaporized via that method is known as dab. It'd be like saying it doesn't matter if it's 5W10 or 10W30, it's all motor oil. But obviously, depending on your engine, you need certain specifics. So let's talk about the specifics. The first one I'm going to talk about is pull and snap. Pull and snap can be called dab, wax. It has a fruit roll-up like texture to it usually, though it might be a little terp heavy, a little terpene heavy, and you're going to find that a lot of the products that use PTFE paper, the terp paper, are a really terpy pull and snap. They tend to be acid dominant, and they usually are made from types of tain mixtures, though fresh rosin can produce a very pull and snap quality to it. It tends to butter up later, and we're going to talk about butter later. If you have a lower or very stabilized terpene content pull and snap, that's when you can use parchment paper. Also, rosin is usually pressed in parchment paper, so it's really safe to to use that. Though, I would still probably transfer it after a while. And I think they usually use the brown parchment paper, not the white parchment paper. I don't know why, I just kind of noticed that. So maybe next time I see somebody pressing it, I should ask them. The next one is shatter. Shatter is also a term that is applied to a lot of different forms, but true shatter is very acid dominant. It has an amber-like quality to it, both visually and texture-wise a lot of times. It's slick, it's glossy, and it may be translucent but it's not always clear. It can have a a yolky yellow to an amber color, and it can range from a a candy-like breakability when it's really stabilized to having a varying stability. It can go, sometimes shatters in warmer temperatures will have a more pull and snap uh, effect. Oh, I forgot to say why pull and snap is called pull and snap. Pull and snap is... Because it has that fruit roll-up like texture, when you put your dabbing wand into it, in order to get your your point off, uh, to get your dab hit off, you usually end up pulling the very pliant mixture, and then you can fold it back in on itself and then snap a big chunk of it off. Pull and snap. Sometimes you can pull it and then it'll snap because the bonds just can't take the, the tension anymore. That goes back to its varying consistency. But true shatter should actually shatter like candy or toffee. And it should only be pull and snap in really warm temperatures, like 78 or higher. I'm from Southern California. That's warm as fuck to me, all right? Um, But true shatter should never have to be frozen in order to be shatter. If you have it at a lower, like 68 degrees, it should actually need to to break apart. Maybe not with your hands, because the the warmth in your fingers could make it pliant again. But if you were to use some sort of dab wand, 
you, you might have to, that's when I like to keep a flashlight around because shatter, when it breaks apart, it can just fly everywhere. And I use my flashlight in order to kind of shine and look for that little twinkle because it's so jewel-like, going back to that amber, very slick and glossy. And and I can find it on my table or on my floor or on my shirt, sometimes in my hair. But that's true shatter. Uh, some of the most stable shatter tends to be propane that I've seen. But I've seen a lot of incredibly stable BHO shatters as well. Now, when shatter isn't stable and it kind of transcends the pull and snap, it becomes oil. But there are a lot of different ways that cannabis can become oil. So if, uh, if it's overheated in the purge or if it's older material to begin with, when you blast it with BHO, it's just going to come out with an oilier consistency. That's a more activated product right there. Sometimes it's because of the solution you use to make it. If you blast your material with naphtha, if you're in Canada, don't do that if you're in America, or uh, an ethyl alcohol of some sort, you aren't grabbing all of the product out of the cannabis that you might want in your final product, or you're only grabbing the things that you want depending on how you look at it. Because ingesting terpenes can be really, really sickening for some people. It's, they're volatile things and not to be fucked with. It's, it's the essential oils of the plant. And when you concentrate them down, they are muy potente. That means very potent. So methods and means like the RSO or CBD oil, honey oil, butane honey oil, if you're familiar with that, those are activated types of cannabis concentrates. And they will range from oily to a paste consistency. They can be very, very thick sometimes, especially if they're higher in the, the leaf material in the end product. Um, but it's really more about the process. Um, I think that's episode 46 where I talk more about those. Uh, but because this product tends to have more chlorophyll in it, because it tends to be very terpene deficient, the RSO CBD honey oil isn't really good dabbing material. That would be a case of not dab. Though some of the more pasty consistencies, some might want to call wax. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. Now, for those who are looking for more terpene content uh, with a fully activated cannabinoid content, that's when you're going to look into your CO2s and your distillate oils. Those tend to be clear to yellow to amber uh, in coloring and are, are, again, going to be fairly translucent. But depending on how processed they've been, the terpene consistency can vary. If they are super critical CO2, they're going to have less terpenes or they've been enriched uh, with added terpenes after the final CO2 pressing. Whereas if it's a subcritical CO2, they're going to tend to have more of the raw terpenes 
which will still have been affected in some way, but are a much closer representation to the actual flower from which they were harvested. The supercritical CO2 is going to be more activated than the subcritical CO2, which will be partially activated. So it's going to have some acidic cannabinoids and some decarboxylated or active cannabinoids. But they maintain their bonds in a way that they represent oil. They're still a distillate. They aren't isolates yet. Other types of oils, uh, apart from CO2s, are going to be your full-spectrum oils, your high-cannabinoid full-spectrum extract, and your high-terpene full-spectrum extracts. Those are very acid-rich, very terpene-rich. They are usually a very amber color, though they might be a little more in the yolky yellow kind of color as well. And they tend to be very oily, um... And some of them might have a crystally base, kind of like a, a bottle of a cannabis aftershock or avalanche, depending on your taste. If you don't know what that is, it's a it's an alcoholic beverage that's basically just sugar with a tiny bit of alcohol in it. And it has so much sugar that the sugar crystallizes at the bottom of the bottle. It's delicious in hot cocoa, though. So with the full spectrums, sometimes uh, the cannabinoid crystals will join together and begin that crystallization process, but you still have a very thick layer of oily terpenes to go with it. Those should only ever come in glass, specifically, usually some sort of syringe, maybe a vial. And if anybody ever tries to, to hand you any full spectrum in plastic, you say, thank you, no thank you and walk away. Now, when you have those cannabinoid crystals, but you don't have this thick, viscous layer of terpene oil to go with it, this beautiful, aromatic, amazing terpene oil, and the cannabinoids are still in there. I got got super lost there for a second. And the cannabinoids are still in their acidic form and just kind of coated in oil maybe it's a little bit sappier maybe they just look like um like a form of cannabis caviar where it's like these nice round crystals with like this amber coating around them that's just like a slick like corona of amazingness that's going to be a sugar Sugars have way less oil than the full spectrums, but way more oil than, and the oil being terpenes, way more terpene oil than a lot of other concentrates out there. Now, another way to tell that it's sugar is also that it looks like sugar, whether that be because it looks like that cannabis caviar where it's, uh, you can really see the cannabinoid crystals or because It's kind of blended into some other form, and it just has this, uh, like, a very crystallized, sugared effect to it. If you have a product that, if you have a concentrate that looks like it's been crystallized or sugared of some way, you could call it sugar, but you could also maybe call it a butter or some sort of wax. The difference being that butters, B-U-D-D-E-R, tend to be smoother, less sticky to the touch, 
they they have a consistency like that of fudge, either a very sugary fudge or a very smooth, well-blended type of fudge or a denser type of fudge. They are very acid-rich and they they may have this consistency because they've retained some sort of plant wax during the extraction process. Rosin, even though when it's first extracted, might have a couple different forms, almost always eventually butters up. Some pollen snaps, though they start as this fruit roll-up kind of texture, might become less pulley and snappy, and you might just be able to kind of carve away at it. That's when we say that it's buttered up, or it might have sugared up. Now, if it tends to be less well blended or isn't as crystally sugary, a lot of times we'll call it wax or crumble, depending again on its consistency. Because just like earwax, cannabis wax can have different textures. It can be sticky or it can be crumbly or kind of powdery. Now, the terpene levels of sugar tend to be fairly high in the moderate range, whereas they can be moderate to lower on the butter and wax scale. Still delicious, but just not super concentrated to where they have an oiliness that affects it. Now, I have seen some incredibly sticky earwax type of wax before, that is very high in terpene content, uh, but isn't in today's standards considered very high terpene content. That being said, I would still very much want it put in glass and not plastic. Just like the terpenes can vary in butter and wax and crumble, the activated versus acidic can vary, though you always tend to be acidic dominant in this form. There might be some active cannabinoids. So if you have a really sticky wax, it might be because you actually have more THC in it than terpenes. You get that same problem when you have your traditional hash, which is beaten or agitated off of the cannabis plant and tends to have Uh, Well, I should say the trichomes have been beaten or agitated off the cannabis plant and then pressed into a compactable, transportable concentrate. It is one of the oldest forms of cannabis concentrate, if probably not the oldest form of cannabis concentrate. The pressed trichomes are generally going to be acid rich if it's been made with really fresh material and has been made with as little heat as possible, but heat and pressure are one of the methods that are also used for creating hash. And so if you have a really sticky hash, it might be because you either have more moisture from the leaf material, or it could be because you have more THC because it's just older material or it was a byproduct of the processing. Hash itself can vary from blonde uh, or a yellow color, kind of like a, a pollen look to it, to a really dark brown. 
and it tends to be the sticky dark browns that are going to have more activated material in them. If you have a really nice loose or even pressed blonde hash, those tend to be a little bit higher quality, though it, it really comes down to a matter of preference for a lot of people. The terpene content is going to be on the lower end, though you can definitely have some very fragrant, aromatic hashes, especially because when you press those trichomes together, the, the terpenes can be really well preserved at the center of it. So it's, it, it can still be a very rewarding concentrate to use. Not dabbable material though, because they do tend to have more adulterants in them. And that kind of high heat uh, is, is no bueno for the lungs. That means no good. Another concentrate that I would not classify as dabbable, though I have actually included it in some dabs I have taken, but that's a whole other story. I think I already talked about the snowy ball and chain, but Keef are just the trichomes that are beaten or agitated off the cannabis plant. They're going to have more adulterants and plant matter, uh, things, the gross space adulterants, whether that be dirt or pollen, um, maybe a little bug bits. The other concentrates aren't guaranteed to not have those things, but they're much less likely to. Now, they may be higher in like fertilizer concentrates or some other icky stuff. We don't know that yet. It's still being looked at. Now, Keef is nice because it's usually very acid rich. It's more of a whole plant type of material. But when you agitate those, those trichomes off the cannabis plant, you expose them to, to more volatile environment, to air and sunlight, and they may lose some of their terpene content. They may uh, decarboxylate naturally much more quickly due to the light and oxygen in the room, depending on how they're stored, which is why traditionally they were pressed into hash. Now, the newest concentrate are going to be your isolates, which are going to be as close to single compound concentrates as humanly possible. Over 90% of any particular single compound, whether that be CBD, THC, THCA, CBGA, CBC, they're making amazing things now. Depending on the purity, you will probably still have either other cannabinoids and or more than likely terpenes, which were there during the uh, initial birth of your cannabinoid, so to speak. I don't know what the botany term is for it. I forgot. Where's that bong load? Oh, there's that bong load. Now, isolates themselves can vary between, I mean, if you have 100% THC, it's more than likely going to be an oil, uh, whereas THCA is going to be a powder. And then CBD, I have seen both crystallized and in powder form. So I'm really confused by that. And um, I just, I mean, I don't know enough to, to really discuss how to utilize the difference or understand the difference or why there's a difference. And the science still being kind of in its baby stages and more specialized than ever is making it harder to really get the full scoop. 
But when I've got it, I'm going to share it with you. In the meantime, isolates can vary between oil, powder, and crystal, depending on what the actual compound itself is. And because they tend to be only one compound, they're going to be much more stabilized. They don't have the volatile terpenes uh, in as great a form as a lot of the other things. So you'll find them, they're more likely to end up in plastic containers. All right, so I hope I hope that helped you out. We're going to wrap it up here. So to understand, rosin can be a method or a product. Shatter can be dab or wax, but wax isn't always shatter. And in the end, it's all just a newfangled form of hash, unless, of course, it's oil. Okay, you guys, I'm going to skip the safety this week so that I can get this edited and get it out before I start my trivia tonight. Woo-woo, Father's Day trivia. Happy Father's Day to all of you out there and to those who would enjoy celebrating your father on this and any day. And for those of us who may not feel as celebratory, happy Sunday fun day. I'll catch you next week, hopefully on Friday. Thanks for spliffing it. Ciao for now. (laughs) 